This morning in our message, looking at Ananias and the Lord coming and speaking to him, one of the things that the Lord spoke to Ananias about Saul was a revealing of what Saul was in for. In Acts 9.16, the Lord says, talking about Saul, I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. There's really no question that Jesus suffered in the most severe fashion when it comes to who has hurt, who has gone through persecution, who has suffered. The Bible tells us he was the just one suffering for the unjust. That's us. His agony was unmatched. For it was not only a suffering of a physical nature, you think about the crown of thorns, the the smiting of the whip on the back and all of that, but it was a spiritual suffering as well. And we can't fathom how agonizing it was for the Son of Man to momentarily, however long that time existed, for Him to be forsaken by His heavenly Father for whom He was doing the bidding as the Lamb of God. It's also beyond our comprehension to understand the heaviness that Jesus came to being made sin for us. Here's righteous, holy God, pure, and He becomes sin. That had to be agonizing. That had to be an extreme form of suffering. So it would be incorrect, though, also for us to think, that we need to somehow reimburse Jesus' suffering with our own. doesn't work that way, does it? Uh, It's not a matter of paying back, so to speak. But nonetheless, we are taught that suffering is part of the Christian life. In fact, it tells us all who will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. As natural as it is for sparks in a campfire to fly upwards, The Bible tells us so it is man is born for adversity, suffering, hardship. Through Though the redeemed life is rewarding, and it certainly is, wouldn't want to be anything other than redeemed, would you? But it is rough at times, too, isn't it? If you're really going to live for Jesus, it's not always simple and easy and pleasant. When we are the object of other people's attacks, what we need to do is to identify ourselves with the one who suffered for us. We are to wear our persecution like a badge of honor, if you would. Not arrogant or boastful, but thankful and grateful. We're in good company of noble believers who have also gone through similar experiences, and they were persecuted the prophets of old. Perhaps it was the fear of his own suffering that caused Simon Peter on the eve of Christ's crucifixion to avoid that suffering. He didn't want to face that, and so he he denied the Lord thrice in doing so. But Saul is being shown in advance as he would be what we would call a babe in Christ. He's quite knowledgeable academically about the Scriptures, but he's still a newborn Christian for all practical purposes. And God is going to reveal to him, Saul, it's not going to be easy. 
Two things that I'd like us to realize in this verse of, of what is being given to Paul about the suffering. Number one is the anticipation of it. It's interesting to note that uh, the Lord was going to give a preliminary understanding of the obstacles that he would face as he now begins to serve him. Now, we know that he spends a, a, a lot of time in Arabia, in the backside of the desert. seems that the Lord gives a special schooling, if you would, to Paul, getting him prepared. Perhaps it was during that time that the Lord revealed to him some specifics of what he was going to be in for. While we might imagine that it is beneficial to have a heads up concerning the trials that lie before us, no doubt it might strike fear in our heart and intimidate us if we knew everything that we're in for. You know, God knows what we need to know and what we don't need to know. And He's gracious in that way. At the very least, it's not best to whitewash the reality of the Christian way. There are some people that want to make you think, well, it's all about prosperity. You know, it's all about, you know, joy and happiness. And there is a joy in the midst of suffering. We don't want to erase that idea. Uh, joy is not contingent uh, upon circumstances and how people respond to us. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. But I think that sometimes we are, we are given, or there are those out there that make people think that if you're living right for Jesus, then your life is going to be a bed of roses. <laughs> Nothing could be further from the truth. Perhaps this was going to be a test concerning Paul's loyalty to kind of let him know up front and see would the one who had already said, what wilt thou have me to do? Will he remain openly surrendered once he realizes what he's in for and the very hard go of it that he's going to have? Hardness is an understatement for Paul's service to Christ. We're told in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verses 23 through 27, Paul recounts, he lists the types of sufferings, the hardships that he went through. And I really came up with 18 different, depending on how you uh, itemize the list, but really 18 different types of hardships and sufferings that he went through. Let me just list them off for you here imprisonments. He didn't have three square meals and a television and a nice comfortable cot either. Countless beatings, as he pointed out, often near death experience. Not just a, a slap on the wrist. Three, five times he received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Four, he was beaten with rods on three separate occasions. That very brutal, that left deep bruises and subdermal hematomas and, and uh, really probably broke bones in places. Number five, he was stoned on one occasion there in Lystra. Number six, shipwrecked on three different occasions. Number seven, a night and a day adrift at sea. Can you imagine being holding on to a piece of driftwood all through the night, tired, sleepy, fatigued, holding on? Number eight, frequent journeys. You know, it wasn't 
easy enough to get in his SUV and turn on his radio and his air conditioning. No, travel was a hardship. Number 10, danger from robbers during those travels. Danger from Jews and Gentiles, number 11. Number 12, danger in the city and the wilderness. 13, danger at sea. 14, danger from false brothers. Those that don't have scruples that will say, well, the end justifies the means, so we can, we can say what we want about Paul because we want to accomplish our goal, which we feel is noble. Number 15, toil and hardship. Just hard work. Remember that he was a tent maker and he, he had to supplement his, vote, uh, his, uh, his income in that way. And it was probably sometimes some hard work just so he could put food before himself. Many sleepless nights, number 16. Number 17, hunger and thirst, often entirely without food of any kind. It wasn't just that he went with little food, but sometimes he had no food. And then number 18, cold and exposure to it. Doesn't sound like a glamorous life, does it? I suppose if there was a seminary putting together a brochure of saying, we need preachers and here's what we can offer, and they listed out those 18 things. And I wonder how many people would say, boy, that sounds great to me. I want to serve Jesus. They well, you better not tell them up front. Well, God told Paul up front. How much of this, we don't know. His life really would be wrapped up in Christ. And eventual physical death would seem very profitable to him. Remember he says, for me to live is Christ. To die ends up being a gain. In Acts 20, 23, you remember where the Ephesian elders come to see him. They come down to the shore. He meets with them as he's in travel. And as he talks to them, the Ephesian elders, uh, there's a, an alert by the Holy Spirit in every city that he faces hardships. He tells them that. You know, I, I, I know that as I go into these cities, it's going to be difficult for me, but I go anyway. Christ does not de detail for us the particulars of what hardships we're going to encounter in service for him. He hasn't told any of us, now, tomorrow, my child, it's going to be a rough Monday if you're going to share the gospel with people, if you're going to stand up for me. And here's specifically what's going to happen. Here's how your neighbor is, what he's going to do. But we are warned through his word that we should not think it strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try us. We're told that in a general sense. So like Paul, we can't anticipate. Likewise, we must not only be schooled ourselves, but... It really is, for those of us that are mature Christians, important to, to train, to equip young disciples to anticipate that they will not be carried to the clouds on flowery beds of ease, as the hymn writer put it. We always think about Demas, who forsook Paul because he loved this present world, and we often think, well, that probably meant the enticements and all it had to offer. But I have to imagine what went with that was also... But if I stay with Paul, it's just going to be more beatings and shipwrecks and not knowing where our next meal is coming from, too. So there's many people that, that follow Demas' example and go for the life of comfort and are unwilling to forsake all and embrace a life of suffering for the sake of the gospel. 
But do we love Christ that much? That we know full well what we're in for, that we'll say, yes, Lord, I will serve you, even though it means hardships. Are you willing to count all things but dung for the sake of knowing Christ? Paul was. When you consider what you might suffer for the sake of the gospel, would you go away from him? Go away from devotion for him? I'm not talking about stop being his child, but just renege on your faithful service for him. Or will you say to the Lord in your heart, Lord, to whom can I go? Because you have the only words of life. So, anticipation. Saul was able to anticipate it. But in a manner of speaking, so is true with us as well, isn't it? But then secondly is the idea of identification. Notice that the suffering is specifically in connection with the name of Christ. He isn't told, Paul, you're going to suffer because you just have a really crude personality. and People just are going to find you abrasive and, and they're just going to you know, give you a hard time because you're just hard to get along with. No, he's told very specifically, you know, we could almost embellish it a little bit more and say, you can be as sweet and as personable, and, but if you don't water down the gospel and you present Christ, you're going to catch it just because of me, just because you've chosen to line up with me. You know, there really is no middle ground when it comes to a person's position in Jesus try to make it that way sometimes but there really isn't there is either wholehearted holding to him or there is returning to our love for for mammon as jesus warned you can't serve two masters and there's no in-between area either the members of the early church face a lot of suffering simply because they went everywhere preaching in his name It's a clear identification with Christ and our alignment with Him that either appeals to a person or it's going to draw their animosity. Brother Dale did a great job this morning in the adult Bible study talking about the cults. You start talking to a Roman Catholic about saying, no, I am sorry, what you believe is another gospel. You may believe in Jesus Christ and read the same Bible, but the Bible says there's one way to heaven. And it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done. And so your sacraments are actually hurting you rather than helping you. You start talking to people like that, and that cordial Roman Catholic neighbor might not be so friendly to you the next day you go out to get the mail. But, you know, if we're going to help people, we're going to have to tell them the truth. We can't just simply ask, well, you know, they see me going to church, and they go to church. And, you know, if they think that we're a lot alike, then we're not being clear enough. Well, they might not like me. They, they, you know, they might stop being so friendly in the neighborhood. And well, Do we want to have them for neighbors now or in eternity? Imagine walking up to a person and telling them that you have come in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. If they also have tasted and seen that the Lord is good at the hand of the good shepherd, they'll beam. I, you know, I was thinking about this as we were having the Veterans Day outreach and as we were handing out the packets, most of them were cordial enough to appreciate what we were doing and, and say thank you and take it. But there were a couple people. I remember one black lady in particular. She came up to, 
to us when we handed the packet. She says, God bless you for what you're doing. And then she started to pray a benediction over me as I stood there. The Lord make his face to shine upon thee. She went on. And I, I just thought, I, this is clearly a sister in Christ. As she just, when she heard the name of Jesus, oh, she just lit up like a beacon. That's wonderful. But, you know, if we're doing our job, we're going to see the polar opposite happen as well, aren't we? We have to say, no, it's not just about God. It's not just about a deity. It's not just about a higher power. It's in the name of Jesus only. That will cause some to turn away. If their countenance falls, they seek for a way to escape the conversation, they are likely not yet a trophy of God's grace. A true child of God will identify with the words of the hymn. I love its music to repeat. It makes my joys full and complete, the precious name of Jesus. That rings from our hearts when we sing that song. There's a power in the name of Jesus. We do not need to clutch His body with our hands. We don't need to come in contact with some article of clothing like the woman with the issue of blood thought. You know, I just, I just need to, to touch Him. We really only need to grasp Him with our heart and with our mind. If you think about that, He's ascended. He's at the right hand of the Father. But we can reach out, and we can embrace our Lord in the most important way, in our hearts and in our minds. And, and that's what it means to identify with Christ, to be so devoted to Him, to walk with Him, to sense His presence in our life every day. Tonight, we have the Lord's table before us. Hopefully, it's not something that becomes mundane, something that comes commonplace to us. It would be easy for that to happen. It was always my goal as we, we come to this, this part of our service, part of our, the ordinance that Christ left for us, to stop again and remind ourselves, you know, this represents Christ suffered for me. He shed his human blood. He gave his human flesh. He felt the same pain that you and I would face if we could imagine the cruelties of what he went through. But again, beyond that, because being the Son of God, 100% God and 100% man at the same time, his, his suffering was beyond what we would have faced if we were to go through everything that's described there on that cross. So are we okay suffering for Him? The Bible tells us we are. We're going to have hardships. We're going to have suffering. Remember, as we take the Lord's Supper night, He endured the cross. He went through the crucifixion. He sought through until the very, very end. He was not without His power to cease it before it ever began or even part way through. But it was his sovereignty and his love that kept him there. We might think, oh, if I can escape suffering. Well, Lord, if you have suffering appointed for me, may I take it with the same willing heart that Jesus took the suffering for me. So let's be faithful to the hardships. Let's be faithful to the Lord through the hardships that we experience. Out of one motivation, we love him because he first loved us.
Father in heaven, we thank you for the reminder to us of what Jesus experienced, tasted, so that we might not have to taste death. We might not have to endure the the horrible torment of hell and the lake of fire someday. What an amazing joy and privilege it is to be able to say, I am at liberty. I have freedom in Christ. And so, Father, may we not lean back and take our leisure. May we be firm, resolute, purposeful, intentional in our carrying out the gospel on a daily basis. And Lord, while we don't seek for suffering, may we not think it strange and may we welcome it as part of what it means to be really getting to the matter of exalting Christ among those that have an animosity for Him so that we might reach those with whom a difference can be made. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.